to do exactly what I love to do and what I believe God has called me to do with my life and be able to make that my career. But I understand that you are not paid to be here. That when you show up to this place, that you have an expectation. I mean, you maybe have lots of expectations like, you know what, when I come to church, I expect that I will be blindfolded and have to spoon feed somebody cold oatmeal from a pool cue. I expect that. It was warm? See? See how Lauren cares for you? I know you expect that. I know that's one of your expectations, and so you show up for that. But even greater than that expectation is that you come expecting to meet God. You come expecting to experience his presence, to learn more about him. And whether that be through our our wonderful uh, worship that we have, whether that be through a game, whether that be through a conversation you have out here with one of our volunteers or another friend that's in this building, whether it be through uh, God's word, something that I've said, you expect to meet God. No matter where you are on this Christian scale, you could be way over here, I've been a Christian my entire life, I love God, yay Jesus, hooray, you know. Or you could be over here, and you know what, I'm not even sure there is a God. But my friends come here, so I showed up, and I was really excited about cold oatmeal, you know what I mean? Like, either, either place, when you show up, there is an expectation, right, that you meet God that you learn something about him, that you draw closer to him, or at least learn something that you can take with you, that you can put into practice so that you can draw nearer to him. Now, the reason I say that is we work really hard to put together teachings, whether it's um, writing Bible study curriculum for your small groups, whether it's writing a sermon, whether whether it's creating a space where you feel welcome and you can meet new people. Whatever that may be, we, we, we go through great lengths with you in mind. Now, with that being said, <clears throat> we had this whole semester planned. We had a wonderful, awesome lineup of sermon series we were really excited about. And then one day, we were in, uh, we have staff chapel every Monday where all of our staff get together and we have a little chapel service and one of our pastors kind of addresses us, give us gives us a little um, a little uh, scripture and a little truth for us to kind of chew on for the week. Um, really blessed that our church does that for us. And um, our senior pastor, Mike Ramsdale, some of you may know him. He's old and uh, bald, and, uh, <laughs> and he has this really deep voice. Um, but he let it slip in Staff Chapel that he is a huge fan of the show The Walking Dead. Right? And, you know, a lot of people were like, oh, show <laughs> you know and Mike I think it got a little like embarrassed that he let the cat out of the bag um, but I thought it was awesome because I'm like yes I love zombies um, and our senior pastors like just got infinitely more awesome and and so but he afterwards in a, in a kind of a candid moment uh, he and I and a couple other people were talking and he mentioned how how much he would love to do a sermon series called The Walking Dead and kind of basically he really loves some of the message, the, 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 the meanings that are kind of uh, undergirding that whole show, but that he would never actually do it. And I went, challenge accepted. <laughs> this is going to happen. And so this wonderful three-week series that we had planned for this very 
three weeks that we're going to be in, I, I walked in and uh, to the, the real brains that run this operation, Amanda and Lindsay, and I said, hey, have y'all started any prep work yet? Because we're still, we're still a couple months out. Have you started any prep work? Have you made any graphics? Have you made the Bible study lessons yet? Have you started any of the prep work for the Brainwash series? And they were like, no, not yet. And I was like, thank you, because I want to change it. Here's my idea. And, and they are so great because I am, like, wacky with ideas. I like to come in and just, you know, throw things out. And they put up with it, and they freaking rock, rock it. You know what I mean? And, and so we, we are doing this series called The Walking Dead because, one, I believe it's just awesome. You know, I love zombies, and that's exciting for me to be able to, to tr- you know, have the challenge of working in um, spiritual truth under this idea of the, the living dead, undead, whatever they are. Um, but, but even beyond that, Beyond that, I think there's some really, I, I just, I, I think there's something here for us. I really do. And so as I began to put this thing together, I, I just, I, I'm so pumped to share this because I really think um, beyond the facade of being zombies, there is some real deep biblical truth for us here. Um, so I wanted to share that. But before we get there, who, who in here is pretty familiar with zombies that like zombies? I'm going to out somebody real quick. Amanda hates zombies. Everybody look at Amanda and just go, you over here? Sorry. It's basically three rows of faces and then blackness. And so I just point, Amanda, Amanda hates zombies. Um, And as, as hard as Lindsay and I have tried to convince her how amazing zombies are, she's still not buying it. So I feel like there might be some of you in this room that feel the same way. They're like, I just, I don't get it. So, let me school you real quick. First off, the origin of the idea of the zombie kind of it originates with Haitian witchcraft, right? So the, the island of Haiti, everybody knows Haiti. So Haitian witchcraft is kind of where this myth, this folklore of zombies came to be. There was supposedly some toxin that witch doctors could give people that would put them in this catatonic state where they basically... All semblance of life was there. They could walk. They were breathing. They could, you know, sort of talk. But there was really nothing going on upstairs, right? They just kind of walked around, right? This is where the idea of zombie came from. had a very mythological sort of thing because people, rarely did people know anything about it. They just kind of heard about it, and they were kind of terrified. So you don't go to Haiti because there's some scary zombies there, right? Now, zombies as we know them today got famous because of a guy named George A. Romero, right? Anybody know who he is? Excellent. Oh, one person. George A. Romero is famous for, in 1968, he created a black and white movie, a very B-roll horror movie called Night of the Living Dead, right? Where the zombies come out of the ground, and they, like, walk like this, and they eat people that are alive, right? Um, that's the creepy thing. Now, here's what's crazy is that zombies then, whenever I was younger and I'd watch these zombie movies, I would think, this is the least scary thing I have ever seen in my life. They move slower than Christmas. Like, I could dance, I could dance circles around this thing and it would never catch me. You know what I mean? Like, what is so terrifying about something that moves like this, that can't speak, can't really think, all it wants to do is eat you, right? But it's moving like this. Not scary at all, right? And, and he created this whole line of zombie flicks, right? Including Dawn of the Dead, which is one of my favorites uh, that was made in the 70s. And it's pretty famous for um, these, this zombie apocalypse, right? And this group of people flee, like flee and hide in a mall, 
right? That's a pretty awesome place to hide. Um, so they're hiding in a mall, but eventually, obviously, the zombies figure out how to get in this mall. And, and, and then, oh, no, all heck breaks loose, and you've got to get away from these zombies, right? Now, zombies, when in those days, were very campy, very... I mean, it was just kind of a joke. You know, you had your horror movies, you know, Freddy and Jason and stuff that were actually scary. Machetes and axes and razor hands and stuff. But zombies, eh. But recently, the zombies that we now see in shows like The Walking Dead or the remake of Dawn of the Dead, or if you've seen 28 Days Later or any of those, have kind of grown into this new sort of hybrid zombie, right? That not only are they the undead (coughs) and they try to eat people, but they can, like, run they're really fast now, you know, so they become that much more terrifying because they're ravenous, right? No longer are these, like, mummy-type things moving like this, but they're, like, if they see you, they're running full sprint at you. That's terrifying, right? And so zombies have become much more terrifying. They're not goofy. They're nothing like that. But <clears throat> the term, if you look at the term zombie, if you look at it, people use it all the time. Like, I, I sometimes in the morning feel like a zombie, I'm like, oh, man, I'm such a zombie today. Like, I just can't get awake. Haven't had my coffee yet or whatever it is that you have that gets you going in the morning. Like, I haven't had that yet, and so I'm just like a zombie. I'm just, I'm here, but I'm not really here, right? I'm sure a lot of you that, like, first block, when you get to school, you're just like, whatever. Like, you know, (laughs) you sit down, and you're doing your best to keep your eyelids open. And, you you know, you're kind of a zombie when you get to school. But here's here's a term for zombie. Um, uh, We often describe a person as like hypnotized or um, here's a big SAT word for you, bereft. (laughs) Somebody looked that word up today. (laughs) Bereft of consciousness or self-awareness. If you look it up, if you have the dictionary.com app and you want to look that up, here's what it says. A body of a dead person given the semblance of life, but mute and willless by a supernatural force, usually for some evil purpose, right? Uh, A person whose behavior or responses are wooden, listless, or seemingly rote. All of you are like, "Mm, those are all excellent words. (laughs) Let me pull up my thesaurus app real quick, too. (laughs) Um, So so this zombie, this idea of zombie, we describe ourselves not only in the horror movie genre, but we describe ourselves as being, like having the semblance, like resembling life, they're walking around, they're talking, but they're not actually alive, right? So here's a, here's a definition that we're going to use um, for this series, uh, and we have it on the thing up here. It says, a body going through the motions of life, but not really living. Did I not put that on there, Matt? If I didn't, I'm sorry. Um, a body going through the motions of life, but not really living. That's what we're going to define as a zombie. It's the easiest way to put it without all the SAT words. It's a body going through life, life without, without really living. Now, those zombies on TV, zombies, in the, the new zombies anyways, um, are scary, but we know them to be not real, right? Some people think maybe it could be a possibility in the future, but they're not real. We don't have zombies. You don't have some epidemic that bursts out, and if you get bit by somebody or get their blood on you, that you're going to turn into a zombie. That doesn't exist. What does exist are spiritual zombies. Spiritual zombies. Now, our world, our world is filled with them. We have, we have people that claim spiritual life 
that claim Christ, that claim resurrection, that claim newness, and yet they walk around somewhat lifeless. The world was filled with them. We walk down the halls. You probably see them at school um, or at the mall. Uh, you might see them at parties. You might see them at church. <gasps> you know, spiritual zombies at church. It's true. Actually, probably one of the most infected places is the church. It happens. We get, we get, we get so in a groove or in a, in a rut, right? It's just, I'm going to show up to church on Wednesdays because that's... That's what you do as a Christian. But I come, I sit down, you know, I do my thing, and then I go. And, you know, there's, there's no life to our faith. This is what we call the walking dead. Now, this series would have been very easy to just look through the Bible and find all the different stories where Jesus raises people from the dead and Jesus himself raised from the dead, right? There's, a, there's, a, there's at least three stories in the Bible about that that I could use for these three weeks. It would be a very easy way to go, but um, I think there are things that are a little more relevant for us, that I really want to share. So Jesus actually speaks, speaks to this very situation uh, in the book of Mark, uh, chapter 11. Did I put that on there, Matt? Okay, here we go. I won't read it from my phone. Uh, Mark, chapter 11. Now, the, Jesus and his disciples are walking down the road, and here we are. Uh, the next day they were leaving Bethany. Jesus was hungry. Seeing in the distance a fig tree in leaf, which means it was a fig tree with leaves on it, Uh, He went to find out if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not the season for figs. Hmm. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat fruit from you again. Right. And the disciples heard him say it. Odd sentence, but the disciples did hear it. Um, that's where we're going to end. But if you read on later in that chapter, they come back later to that tree and it has withered up and just has died. There's no leaves on it anymore. There's no figs. Jesus goes up to this tree with leaves on it thinking, this tree's alive. It's a fig tree. I bet there's figs on it. Goes up to this tree and there's nothing. This tree resembles a tree that would bear fruit. It looks healthy, but there's nothing in it. There's nothing for Jesus to take from this tree. And Jesus is upset, visibly upset at a tree. Because it doesn't produce any fruit. You see, for Jesus, when he looks at a tree that is full of leaves, green, like now, if you were to go, if any of you, does anybody have like a fruit tree or anything like you do? If you were to go back in, in, into your yard and you were to look at that tree and it didn't have any leaves on it, would you expect it to be bearing fruit? No. But if you went back there and it was green, it was beautiful, would you expect it to be producing fruit? Yes, is the answer. Yes! <laughs> Obviously, it's more complicated than that when you're gardening. But when you see a tree, when you have a tree that is green and it is thriving and it is growing and there's leaves all over it, you expect it to produce fruit. But it didn't. For Jesus, this fig tree was completely fruitless. And because of that, it was useless. What good was that tree? A fruitless tree was a useless tree. That's how Jesus thought of this. He looked at it and he said, this tree does no one any good because it's a fig tree. 
It's supposed to produce figs, and it's not doing that. It's pretending, but it's not doing it. This would particularly upset Jesus because Jesus, as we know, uh, is an extension of God our Father who is the giver of life. Jesus produces life. He brings life back to people. He took these 12 disciples out of their ordinary every day, brought him with them, and they got to experience things they never would have before. And they began to do things that no one has ever done before. Jesus, extension of our God in heaven, who took dust, who formed it in the shape of a human, blew his breath into it and made it life. Jesus is a life giver. Jesus wants life. If we look in the the book of John, the Gospel of John, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John in the Bible, uh, chapter 10, uh, in the second half of verse 10, I posted this on Instagram today if you saw it. We're just going to read the second half of the verse. It says, I have come that you may have life and have it to the full. So not only is Jesus, as an extension of God, a giver of life, but he is a giver of life to its fullest. Don't misinterpret that to its easiest, but to its fullest. Sometimes we misrepresent God and misrepresent Christ as somebody who comes to to keep you down, to bore you with a lot of rules and make you absolutely no fun, when in fact, actually, Jesus came, God sent Jesus to earth to show us how to have the fullest life possible. We just celebrated this uh, last Sunday, Easter, right? That in a world that got really upset at this life giver, at this revolutionary man, they killed him. They took his life away. But what we find out on Easter is that resurrection happens. New life comes. And, I mean, I can only speak for our church. Um, we, we had uh, our Sunday morning services over at the Center for Performing Arts. And just on Sunday morning alone, over 4,000 people came to hear that story of life, that story of resurrection. If you count all of our Easter services, it was well over 5,000. If we were to count every church service that happened here, For Easter, thousands and thousands and thousands of people, I don't know what that was, but (laughs) bless you, Uh, thousands and thousands of people came to hear the story of resurrection, came to hear the story of life. And if you heard Mike or David's sermon, you understood that sometimes life gives you a dead end. Sometimes life says, no, you can't do that. Sometimes life says, you will never survive this. And yet, resurrection happens. And what we know from resurrection is that even the worst things that happen in life are never the last things that happen. Jesus is a life giver. And when we become Christians, when we decide, Christ, you're at the front of my life. I'm going to follow you. I want to be your disciple. I want to make this world better. I want this fullness of life that you speak of. When we make that decision and then we turn and just kind of go through the motions, if all Christianity is to me is, well, I guess I punch my card at church and show up every now and again. If that's all Christianity ever is, we are robbing this world of the life-giving power of Christ. Now, am I saying that you take this verse 
and you put on a zombie shirt, and you go walk around the street saying, Jesus is full of life, and he wants to give it to you. I mean, if you want, that's great. But if I, if I weren't a Christian and somebody did that to me, I would probably just cry and run away. <laughs> I would think they're coming. This weird zombie is yelling about Jesus. I don't know what's happening. If, I mean, and that's, and that's fine. But what I really mean is, for those of you that have been on a mission trip before, and here's the other funny thing. A lot of you have been on a mission trip at a time where you weren't even really sure about God. You came because your friends were going. But guess what? On that mission trip, you were participating in the life-giving power of Christ. Because you were giving of yourself. Because you're producing fruit. Your life reflects the life that was given you. See, a spiritual zombie just walks around going through the motions. They're in a rut. And, you know, they, they oh, Jesus, God, it's, they're pretty cool. Yeah, I agree with all that stuff. But I'm not doing anything with it. I'm a tree with leaves. I've got all the signs of life. I have a shirt that says Jesus on it. I wear a cross around my neck. I have a God is big enough bracelet. But that's the extent of it. I got the leaves, but I have no fruit. That is a spiritual zombie. When we wear the leaves, when we put on all the signs of faith, when we put on all the signs of Christ, yet we don't produce fruit, we are just like that tree that Jesus wanted to go to and eat from. Fruitless and useless. Now, here's what I don't want you to miss. The reason that this is so important A tree. Let's take a lemon tree. Lemons are good, right? You can use them for almost anything. Take a lemon tree. A lemon tree, if I I were to have a lemon tree in my yard, say this is a lemon tree, and, and it grows and it produces some lemons, right? And then the winter comes, and what happens? The leaves fall off of it. It looks dead. It just sits there. But when spring comes back again, the leaves come back, and the lemons come back. Now, inside a lemon, other than sourness, what's in there? Seeds. And juice. Very good. And what do seeds do? They produce more trees. Here's what's interesting about trees. And this is true of any plant. they got seeds, you know, all kinds of stuff. And we're not going to get a biology lesson here. But the cool thing is, is one tree can produce all of these lemons... And inside each lemon has all of these seeds. Think about how many trees could be produced from that one tree when it produces fruit. Here's what I don't want you to miss. We, as human beings, are created in the image of God. I've said that to you a bunch. can never say it enough. We are created in the image of God. When God formed the dirt and blew breath into it. He created something in his very image, something he didn't do for everything. It was just this one thing, just for you. In the image of God, who is a creator, a life giver. You are a creator. You are a giver of life. Through faith in Christ, when we we get that power from him, when we understand that life-giving power, we in turn are able to give life. That's our fruit. 
And what happens when you give life to somebody? When you turn them into, I don't want to call somebody a lemon, but when you turn them into a lemon, they can, yes, you're just turning people into lemons all over the place. Pretty soon, lemon trees are everywhere. This is what we do. But when we, became a, when we become a spiritual zombie, all of that is taken away. We're not producing fruit anymore. We're just sitting there with leaves, doing nothing. This series, we got, we got two more weeks of this series, but this series, and we're going to get to more stuff, but this series is about choice. It's about a choice that we have to make. And I'm not talking about simply the choice about do I choose God or not God, although I'd love for you to choose God. It's not about that choice. Here's what the choice is. Do I choose a passive life? Do I choose to be fruitless? Do I choose to have all the leaves, all the dressings, but not really do anything with it? Is my goal to just fool everybody else into thinking, hey, I'm a healthy, cool tree. That's as far as I want to go? Is that what I want? Do I want to mimic life? Do I want to walk around with the semblance of life? Do I want to have this idea that maybe I'm alive, but really I'm not on the inside? I'm not producing any fruit? Is that my choice? Or do I choose a full life? Do I choose resurrection? Do I take that thing that Christ did for me, and because he did it for me, he did it for everybody, do I take that life-giving power, that resurrection, Do I take that? Do I waste it? Or do I take that and multiply it? Do I turn my life into a a lemon-creating machine? Do I just give life as much as I can? Do I pour myself out to others? Do I seek out those that, that wish they had that full life and I offer it to them? Those are my choices. And that's what we're going to explore in this series. The idea of the walking dead, it's all around us. It hap- I mean, it happens everywhere. Go to any church on a Sunday morning and you will find people that go to church every Sunday because that's what we've always done. That was me at one point. When I graduated high school, I kept going to church because I thought that's what I was supposed to do. I was raised going to church and so I guess I'll just keep going to church. There was nothing really being produced until I really understood that life and I understood what was expected. I have received life, so I want to give it. So, next week. Next week, we're going to talk about what you need in your zombie survival kit, right? What happens when everybody around you turns into a zombie? Are you prepared? Right? Any good zombie movie or TV show, the people that are not zombies, that are left after the apocalypse have to gather supplies, and, and, and the types of supplies that they gather are, are integral in deciding whether or not they survive. That's what we're going to talk about next week. What are we going to put in our backpacks to survive zombie apocalypses and keep from turning into zombies? And then after that, the last week, we're going to talk to the, about the key of survival. What is the key thing, the reason why we survive? What is the key thing that we need to have in order to make it through? Because... Sometimes in those zombie movies, people are alive, right? They're not zombies, and they're looking around going, I don't even know why I'm still trying to survive. We'll tell you why. And we'll talk a little bit about what that means for us. So, for some of us in this room, when we leave tonight, the message is it's time to wake up. 
I've been a zombie. I've been a spiritual zombie. I've been walking around. I've, you know, I said yes to this Christ thing, but I really haven't done much with it. It's time to wake up. And hopefully this series will give us some tools that will help us do that. For others, others of us in this room that have been fruit-producing trees, right, it's time to start producing more. It's time to figure out how to produce even more fruit so we can produce more trees, right? Let's pray. Gracious God, we thank you so much for this night. We thank you for this awesome opportunity to worship together. God, to sing praises to your name. I pray, God, that as we hear these words, God, as we, as we have fun with this idea of zombies, God, but we, but we look deeper into the meanings of, um, of the truth of your scriptures, God, and, and the, this idea of life and fullness of life and not, and not wasting it, God. We just pray that, that we are given the strength to produce much fruit, God. We don't want to be spiritual zombies. We don't want to be the walking dead. We want to be alive. God, because at the resurrection, you gave us that new life. And we don't want to waste it. Take us safely from this place, God. Let the light of your love shine brightly in us. So that anybody who knows us, anybody who sees us, God, understands that we love you and our life is better for it. In your name we pray. Amen.